May we be seated. Well, thank you for your welcome earlier to be able to speak here at St. Stephen's. is a great privilege. I'm overwhelmed by the graciousness of Graham and Tim uh, that I should be granted this privilege. Uh, our subject today uh, fits in rather well with the, shall we say, byline of St. Stephen's. Those of you who are good at reading signs will have noticed if you drive past the corner of Sydney Avenue and Mowbray Road that there's a sign up there which says, Encounter God, Explore Life. Who's seen that sign? Well, if you saw a sign like that, you just want to rush in here straight away, wouldn't you? Because there can be no greater experience than encountering God. And so the title of this talk this morning is Encountering God, the Ultimate Experience. You know, people look for experiences in life. They fill their life up with experiences. One of the hip phrases of recent times has been to have a bucket list. Some of you have heard of the expression. Some of you may even have a formal bucket list. And some people may on their bucket list say, I want to climb Everest. That's a big one. Or some have more modest goals. Uh, that is to be able to buy some fish uh, at a special wharf in San Francisco. Or it could be something special like that. I knew of an accountant that served alongside me in uh, an office in the city and his bucket list was to ride his bike all over Europe. Unfortunately, he got to the top of a hill uh, when he was over there and died of a heart attack and so it really did become his bucket list. <laughs> so another experience is meeting people and I'm sure all of you have been in the situation where you've shaken a famous person's hand and not wanted to wash that hand for a while after <laughs> because you touched uh, whoever it was. And uh, I've actually met the Governor-General. I, I met the Governor-General, uh, uh, Peter Cosgrove, when I was a cadet at Military College in 1968. I know this dates me a bit there, Tim. And uh, when I joined uh, the Royal Military College and he was one of the senior cadets. I met him then, but I met him subsequently when I was a member of Sydney Rotary and he was speaking there and he was great, very kind in renewing the relationship and talked to my friends from business. So I thought it was a particularly nice thing uh, that he took time aside amongst that big crowd to chat with me. Uh, I also met the Queen, well, well sort of, sort of. Uh, uh, I was a member of what they called the Sovereign's Company. It was the Alamein Company that was called the Sovereign's Company that year, Tim. And I know I rubbed this in a bit. Uh, uh, but uh, we had won the prize and the, when, when the Queen was visiting in, on Queen's birthday, she reviewed our company and we were dressed in our finery and uh, she came along, the Queen came along our rank and introduced herself to one of the cadets next to me. She didn't really introduce herself, it was actually the CO who did that. And I thought, well, I've missed the boat. So she, she's just gone and I didn't get my chance. He was crowing about it, the other guy, but there you go. So sometimes there are occasions when we meet people uh, where there's a specialty about it. They're famous people and so on, and sometimes we don't meet people. Uh, I don't know if any of you have seen that film, The Hunt for Red October, uh, featuring Alec Baldwin. It's a great movie. It's about how Sean Connery, in the person of Captain Remius, uh, takes the uh, Red October and out of Vilnius Harbour, uh, sails out uh, into seas unknown, and everyone's wondering, the superpower of Russia is wondering, and the Americans are wondering, what is this man up to? Is he a renegade? 
is he going to blow the rest of the world up with his atomic sub? What's going to go on? And so all of the head chiefs of staff uh, are in the headquarters somewhere in the United States and they're bunkering down and discussing what's going on. And Jack Ryan, who Alec Baldwin took the part of, uh, was in the uh, movie and, and he uh, was arguing the case that, that Ramius wasn't a renegade, that he actually was doing something else and that he wanted to actually communicate with them in a peaceful way. And the Admiral, who was there in the room, poo-pooed this idea and said, look, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, you're only an analyst. And uh, Jack Ryan said, well, I have met Ramius, Admiral. Have you ever met him? And the Admiral was stopped in his tracks because he had no knowledge of the man whatsoever, whereas this particular intelligence analyst had. And I can say to you uh, that I have met Jesus. It happened for me on 10th of November uh, 1974 on a military base. I'm not surprised to hear that, I'm sure, after all these military examples I've just trotted out. And uh, where a friend of mine told me about Jesus, it surprised me that he was talking about Jesus. He'd only been an atheist six months earlier. And suddenly he turns up in this course that we were doing at Canungra, and he's a Christian, and I thought I was, but I soon realised I wasn't, came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that night, confessed Christ. Three days later, you'll be glad to know, in a little Anglican chapel, the Holy Spirit came upon me. It was like being hit with about 10,000 volts. And uh, it took me about an hour to recover from this experience. And uh, there was no doubt to me that the Bible was alive, that heaven and hell were real, and that Jesus, manifested in the person of the Holy Spirit, was real. So nothing can transcend an encounter with the living God. And that's why when Jesus appears on the scene as recorded here in Matthew chapter 4, his first words that are spoken when he comes out of the wilderness, his first words are, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Or I rather like the King James Version which says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and the reason I like that expression is because at hand seems to indicate that there's a door through which the kingdom of heaven will come to you. Immediately, there's a repentant heart. Uh, I did refer to the wilderness uh, in the earlier service, and I'm reminded in uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, his opening line is, as I walk through the wilderness of this world. And the wilderness has great significance in this passage, but... That's not part of my talk today, and if I'm ever invited to speak again, I'll perhaps enlarge on the wilderness. But this is Jesus' first sermon, and it is, in fact, his only sermon in truth. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, Graham remarked last week that the world is profoundly wrong most of the time. And this is an example of where Jesus is profoundly right and profoundly true. Is there any experience to be compared with encountering the living God. The Queen doesn't measure up. The Governor-General doesn't measure up. Any other famous people that you may have met just don't come near to what it is to have an encounter with Jesus. Everyone who does have this encounter with Jesus is changed absolutely forever. But there are blockages that prevent people from entering into this space. One of those blockages is that they're not honest about their sins. They will see the, the various words that are put up on the screen here or that may be in the service sheet guide 
and they'll read about, yes, we've turned away from you and this and that and so forth, but they've never come to grips with real repentance. And uh, it's important to reflect on the way people thought about uh, Jesus' words back then. I mean, the words were so momentous, if you think in terms of John the Baptist's first word, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, exactly the same words that Jesus spoke when he, John the Baptist, came out of the wilderness. It says all of Jerusalem and all of Judea and the surrounding district went out to see John. Now, that, that, that is absolutely amazing. I know they didn't have television in those days and they didn't have anything to distract them, but to think that vast crowds went to see John in Jordan is amazing and it's because of his message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. No prophet had ever said that before. They'd always said something like, repent or the Babylonians are going to come and take you captive or repent, otherwise the Assyrians are going to come and destroy your cities and destroy your your families, and, and the, the, the Assyrians were the cruelest people on the earth. They would skin people alive in front of their own children in order to portray what would happen to anyone who even looked like disobeying them. So whenever a prophet said repent in the past, it was always juxtaposed next to some really tough warning that you wanted to make sure you positively avoided. But this time, the people were hearing something very different. And the word kingdom of heaven in Matthew's gospel, which was written for the Jews, is a, is a euphemism. Instead of saying the kingdom of God, Jesus used the term kingdom of heaven. But what the people would re really recognize every time, that it was God himself. And so the words they were hearing were, turn away from sin, because God himself is coming to you. Now, what an invitation to turn away from sin, that God himself is going to show up. And that's the uniqueness of this message, to turn from sin. That's a 180 degrees turn from sin, rejecting it. Uh, the Bible says that, that the sinner must forsake his way. He just can't say, well, uh, I'm, I'm going to be sorry for my sin. The sinner must reject sin. The sinner must turn his back on sin. The sinner must do an 180 degree about turn from sin. What is your sin, if indeed this applies to you? I was explaining this morning at another service that my father came wonderfully to Christ not long after I came to Christ, which was a, a real and absolute miracle because he was steeped in a church that I'd belonged to, which was not touched so much by the Reformation, Graham. And uh, you probably can deduce the church. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful to other Christians in other contexts. I'm saying that religion can be a terrible cloak to reality. And uh, so my father came wonderfully to the Lord, so much so that he could barely say anything other than, I love you, Jesus, for three days in a row. Now, that's amazing, isn't it? That someone should be so caught up in God's presence that that's all he could say. I mean, when it came to breakfast, he probably said, I'll have porridge or I'll have cornflakes. But, but for the most part, he was just so full of the Holy Spirit. But he still smoked. Now, this is not a quit campaign ad, by the way. But, uh, but my father, that was his besetting sin. And I said, Dad, now that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't want to smoke him out. Now, this is not biblical necessarily. <laughs> Whilst God's power is so strong in your life, give it up. And he said, well, can I finish that pack? And I said, no. 
So he crushed it in his hands there and then. It's amazing if you encourage people to be obedient to God, God will give them the strength. Because if there is a besetting sin in our life, so say a person's caught into a porn or, or drinking or criticism or gossip or whatever it is, God will always give you the strength to turn away from that. We can't do it in our own strength, but Lord, help me. And he will turn, will turn away from that and that thing will go dead. It will have no longer any power over you because as soon as you repent, the kingdom of heaven draws near. God himself draws into your very place. You see, the sinner, as the scripture tells us today, is in the region of death and is in the region of darkness. But the scripture tells us that the path of the just or the righteous person is as a shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. But the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not of what they stumble. But what does Jesus say? I am the light of the world. He who comes to me will not stumble in the darkness because I am the light of life. So as soon as a person repents, guess who's there standing, waiting to move into their lives? Jesus, in the person of his Holy Spirit. And an example of this happening would be uh, my former bodybuilding coach. I say former, it was some years ago, I, I did some bodybuilding in order to get into shape uh, because fat doesn't look very good on stage. It, yeah, <laughs> you, you have to work hard to get rid of it and it was a motivation for me. It might sound a bit odd to you but I, I did that to get back into shape and since then I've backslidden a bit but that's why I say former bodybuilding coach. But I'm on my way back. Anyway, his name was Danny. And he was the world champion. So if you're going to have a, a, a bodybuilding coach, pick, pick the best. And he was the world champion, Mr. Olympia, for natural bodybuilding in 2004 in Las Vegas. And when I met him, I offered him a copy of a little track called The Bridge to Life. Some of you may have seen it, put out by the navigators. And he, he refused to have it. He said, I was involved with church people once. They hurt me rather badly. Don't want anything more to do with them. I said, I understand. But I prayed for him. That was quite some years ago, and I would catch up with him every now and again, either by phone or when he moved up to the Gold Coast, I dropped in on him. And I talked about how I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit, had God had really come into my life in a real way. And he says, yeah, there's something in this I know, Tony, but I just don't get it. Anyway, recently I visited him in, in March this year, and uh, we arranged for, to meet at Coolangatta Airport. I was in Brisbane at the time, and I drove down through all the Friday night traffic uh, just got there in time, about a half an hour before my plane was to take off back to Sydney. And so I, I took out my mobile phone and I showed him the Way of Life presentation, a bit of an upgrade on the bridge to life since I'd first given it to him. And, uh, and Danny was all agog looking at this. And I said, there's a prayer here called the sinner's prayer that if you pray that with sincerity of heart, God will reveal himself to you. I didn't ever have a chance to get to the, to the prayer because I had to catch the plane. So... Uh, it was a lovely thing. He gave me a hug. He was a Chinese guy, Chinese-Vietnamese, Danny Chow, and uh, I got on the plane. Now, when I got to Sydney, my SMS came up as soon as you get back online, and I was sitting there in my plane as I was taxiing back to the, the bridge that, where you get off the aircraft, and there was a message from Danny, and this is what he wrote. I prayed that prayer, and when I got to the part that says... Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Help me to be the man you want me to be. I felt a definite tingling, a presence. God manifested himself 
to Danny. For the first time in his life, he actually felt God's presence. Now, we're not chasing experiences. If we want to chase anything, let's chase God. But God, in a sense, is chasing us. Jesus, the Lord of glory, came to be amongst us. And his first words, turn away from sin, for God himself wants to come to you, is the promise that still echoes down to this very day. And God's laying that before us. Can I give you another example? Recently, in my work with Bible League, I was over in Perth, and we visited a man named Steve. And Steve and his wife, who was involved with the Lutheran Church, uh, were regularly giving to Bible League, so it was only appropriate to visit them and thank them for their support. And I did so, only to discover that Steve was blank, nada, nothing when it came to the things of God. He was not born again, he was not a Christian, and what's more, he knew it. Now, he wasn't hostile, but he, it, for him it was a, an empty space that had never been filled. And so I took him through this little presentation on my iPhone and he still looked at me blank. And I know that you can't push people into the kingdom of God. It's the Holy Spirit who does the work. So I said, look, Steve, do you mind if I pray with you? Can we commit the matter to God? He says, by all means, you can pray. And we prayed that God would reveal himself to Steve. Well, my good friend Bernie O'Leary over in Perth followed him up and took him to lunch and gave him a copy of a book, uh, more Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell, just to sort of feed something of the spiritual to Steve. Not long after that, Steve rang Bernie up and he said, Bernie, Bernie, I, I, I've come to the Lord. Now, hearing something like that from Steve is like, boy, if Donald Trump was to say the same thing, I think we'd all be, <laughs> we'd all be just as taken aback. I mean, it's just a, just a remarkable, absolutely a remarkable thing to hear that. And, and Bernie, you know, Good news travels fast. Bernie rang me immediately and said, guess what? The greatest thing's happened. I said, what? Steve has come to the Lord. And he told me the story. And Steve was later to tell me the story as he turned up for the Bible League annual dinner in Perth later that year. What had actually happened was that one night, about two o'clock in the morning, he heard a voice speaking to him, pray. He was wide awake. Pray. That's, a, that's not a bad start, is it? So he got up and he went out to the lounge room and sat there in the darkness, sort of blinking into the darkness. And uh, he's just there like a stunned mullet. And this voice said, pray. So his wife, sensing he wasn't there, about 2.11 a.m. to be precise, <laughs> she got up and she went out and sat next to him. What are you doing? He said, well, I hear this voice. I think it's God. He's telling me to pray. Well, what does he want you to pray? She said, I don't know, <laughs> he said. She said, well, why don't we pray the sinner's prayer? And he said, oh, okay. And they prayed the sinner's prayer. He invited Jesus into his life. And the light came on immediately. Now, if you were to see the before and after pictures of Steve, it's just remarkable to see the light shining out of his life. See, as you repent, the kingdom of heaven draws near. Can I give you one other example? There was a a young friend of mine whose father had been a Catholic priest. Now that's saying something, isn't it? <laughs> but he got a papal dispensation, he was able to have a family, and had quite a family. And um, so Peter grew up in a very Catholic family, a very committed Catholic family. And he was at the back of the church one day saying, look, if all this is true, shouldn't it just be a little bit more exciting than it actually is? And he was just asking that question. Anyway, he met up with me not long after that. God guides people appropriately. And uh, 
We were having a conversation. He said, do you believe in God, Mr. McLennan? I said, I don't just believe in God, I know God. He said, can a man really know God? I said, yes, a man can know God. So I shared a little bit of my testimony and we agreed that he would come and visit with me and we'd study one chapter of the Gospel of John and see what he felt. So he, he came over, went through John chapter 1. How did you find that, Peter? He said, that was terrific. Uh, I'll come back next week. Came back the following week and I, I was going through John chapter 2 and probably saying something very deep and meaningful about it and, um, and the Holy Spirit just fell upon Peter. And he, he sensed the presence of God. The first time ever it happened. He sensed, and his first words were, my God, you're real. Then he sensed the deep disappointment of the Lord towards him. He recognised the conviction of sin. And he said his, his, his repentance was, I'll never disappoint you again. That was, that was all he could think of saying. And he said, when I walked out of that room, I knew God was real. And I knew that I knew him. And that I was truly a Christian. So as we repent, the kingdom of heaven draws near. There are hindrances to these things which we must be aware of. The, the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12, Take heed, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Don't depart from God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And don't say to yourself, look, you know, Tony's a particularly bold sort of guy. He gets out there and talks to people. I go through every time a certain hesitation, I must tell you. It's brief, but it is there. And before I was born again, I would have, before I met the Lord, I would never have even raised the subject with anybody. So you've got to understand that God gives us the strength to do these things. And as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear God's voice, harden not your hearts against him. Today, if you say, I want to know God, I'm hungry to know him personally. The great anchor on which John Knox cast his own life were in these words, and this is eternal life, to know you, Father, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. John 17, verse 3, to know you to know you. Paul said that I might know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings and to be made conformable to your death. God is not just offering us an experience. He gives us so much anyway. He is calling us to follow Jesus and enter into salvation. And today I'm going to encourage you after the service, if you are in any doubt or you want to know God more closely, I'd love just to take some time to pray with you and encourage you so that you will, you will experience the presence of God. It's just, just amazing. I was at, you know, Graham gave me leave, God bless him, to spend a, a year with St. Nicholas's over in Coogee, which at that time was a church that was somewhat in difficulties. And so we started uh, preaching the gospel and praying particularly for the lost and I do commend the people in St Stephen's who are praying for the lost here on a regular basis please keep that up that will have an amazing momentous impact in the days the month the years ahead it already is having an impact and I remember one young woman named Claire came forward reluctantly she thought she'd go and hide at morning tea and the Holy Spirit so convicted her she came trembling to the front of the now empty church saying look I'm very thankful to God for my family etc etc and I've prayed the sinner's prayer, but I've never experienced what it is to know him. Can you pray for him? 
can you pray for me? So I took her through that little sinner's prayer, the same prayer that, that Danny prayed, and the Holy Spirit fell upon her and she was wonderfully refreshed in his presence and came to know him, I believe, for the very first time. It had a transforming effect upon her. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. Now, let me suggest the kingdom of heaven will never get into those who hold on to their sins. But to put things into a very positive perspective, Jesus also said in John chapter 5, verse 25, I assure you, now notice when Jesus gives you an assurance, you've got no doubt about anything that will follow. I assure you, whoever hears what I say and believes in the one who sent me has, notice that present tense, has eternal life and will not be judged guilty. They have already left death and have entered into life. Shall we pray? Dear Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus, ever thankful, Father, that you have touched all our lives by the very fact that we are here in your presence this morning. We thank you, Lord, for St. Stephen's and the great blessing you're releasing to so many through prayer, through your presence, through the preaching of the word. All of these things compound to bring us into a more sure walk with you, one that will not falter. I pray for my brothers and sisters here that if there's anyone here who senses that they want to draw near to you, We know, Lord, that you will draw near to them. And so, Lord, I pray even now that you will begin that process of revealing yourself more and more to each one who is here in the sound of my voice this day. I pray also that your Holy Spirit will work upon those who are holding back or who have been fenced in, as it were, by some besetting sin, that we may pray for them this very day and release them from the oppression of the enemy. We pray this in Jesus' name. And for your glory, Lord, amen. Thank you one and all.